0: I'm a time-lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, in the constellation of Casterbureth. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time.
1: You might be a doctor, but I am a I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. There's probably not i looks expecting. Absolutely fantastic.
2: All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will... Where do you want to
1: start? Hello everybody, welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who, Doctor Who Watch Along Podcast. It's it's me, Tim Saxfire. Hello. Um Harry's also here. Hello, Harry. Hello. How you doing, Harry?
0: Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah.
1: Good stuff, good stuff. I've got horrific toothache. Thanks for asking.
0: Oh. What about your claws? Do you have any claw ache as well?
1: No. Ah, oh, very good. <laughs>
0: what you... oh yeah it's too bad too bad you didn't have to... too bad you didn't have toothache last week because that would have been a great transition
1: <laughs> it is i chipped a tooth um enough knocked of filling so the Yikes. uh right side of my mouth is in agony um talk to news all the time never stop don't stop rocking that's my new thing i said it a few weeks ago with harrison i'm gonna say it all the time now great um uh, it's new catchphrase we'll put it on a t-shirt uh, first thing I want to say is that on for those who of you who are subscribed to the YouTube channel, you won't have noticed this because you will have already listened to the Daniel Evans interview, but I forgot to put it out on the iTunes feed in December, but it's out now, so uh, ah. you will have all, if you are subscribed, which you should be. Shouldn't they, Harry? They should be subscribed to the Absolutely. podcast feed. Absolutely. They
0: should be subscribed. Absolutely. Uh, um, and Daniel's a great, it's a great interview. I've listened to it and he was absolutely great to
1: have on. No, oh, it was really good fun. Uh, maybe in the future we can have him on again. Uh, but yeah, definitely go listen to that. Uh, but actual Doctor Who news, do you want to go with whatever you've got first, Harry? Uh, yeah. Um, this one is a
0: small one, but it's still a significant one, which is that um, that there has been an announcement of seven new Doctor Who stories. Was it seven? Uh, can going. We- Yeah, seven Doctor Who stories are going to, for the first time, be adapted, to my knowledge for the first time, going to be adapted into target books, novelizations. Uh, There's some classic Who, there's some new Who. And I think my understanding is that they are all being adapted, at least in part, by the writers of the original stories, which is interesting. So it's a very similar thing to when uh, Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat um, did novelizations of Rose and Day of the Doctor?
1: Yeah, Do, have you um, have you read any of those?
0: I haven't read any of them, but I my understanding is that they always kind of expand upon the original stories. They always kind of yeah. add extra juicy details.
1: Yeah, I, I don't got know if they're not there. I picked up. I don't the... know if they're not
0: that considered.
1: Go for it, go for it, go for it.
0: I don't know if they're not like kind of the details they add are considered canon or not, but they. Um, it always seems kind of quite intriguing, like mm. the stuff that they
1: add. I picked up the Day of the Doctor and it doesn't start with the Day of the Doctor, it starts with the Night of the Doctor, the Paul McGowan mini episode. Oh really? Cool. So it's sort of an inclusion. I to be fair, I never finished it. But uh yeah, it was alright. I enjoyed it, what I read. So there's mm. there's cool. Dalek Resurrection of the Daleks, uh Revolution. Uh, do we go through them? Uh, yeah, you go through it, yeah.
0: Of, I'm, go, I'm going to go from the order. I think these are the order of the Doctors. So, first of all, there's the fourth Doctor story, um, The Pirate Planet, originally by Douglas Adams, and he's credited, along with James Goss, who I'm guessing is the guy who uh, has mostly done the novelization. Um, then, there is, <laughs> <laughs> then there is, Then there is Resurrection of the Daleks. No, in, yeah, it is Resurrection of the Daleks, uh, a fifth Doctor story uh, by Eric Soward. Or was it Saward?
1: I like Saward.
0: <laughs> it's uh it's more fun to say. Yeah. Then there is Revelation for Daleks. A love Dalek stories. Uh, yeah. again, Eric Saward. Maybe uh, this is a sixth Doctor story. Did was Eric Saward was he just the guy in charge of kind of a lot of Dalek stories in the eighties?
1: Shall I have a look? You you keep talking, yeah. I'll have a look.
0: Uh Next up, interestingly, is uh, Doctor Who the TV movie, written by Gary Russell. I find it interesting that even though it's a book of the TV movie, yes. the book is still called <laughs> Doctor Who the TV movie.
1: I like I would um, love them to do a like actually pick a name for that. Like give it a name.
0: Like, what would you call it? Like kind of I don't know. Something about the master? Because the master the Master doesn't normally have his name in the title of stories about The Master, does he?
1: No. Um, Gary Russell is a British freelance writer. He does. He's done a lot of Doctor Who um, novels. Okay.
0: Did he write the original TV movie? Uh, did, I don't think did. so,
1: no. Hmm.
0: I remember I saw a, I think it was kind of a thing before uh, the 2005 series started where Russell said that he considered uh, the TV movie to have some of the best dialogue that had ever been written. Four up to that point.
1: cool. Okay, well, when we get round to it, we'll definitely have to uh, do it yeah. again. I saw well, it as...
0: years ago on TV. Next up is Dalek by Robert Sherman.
1: Dalek,
0: which um, yeah, Dalek. It's got Christopher there looking very sad on the cover, along with a Dalek. We've got very cool kind of pop party covers. Very yeah, cool. I thought the covers were so great. I'm, yeah, I'm intrigued by Dalek because I'd be interested to see what could be added to what is one of, if not my favourite Doctor Who story. Mm. Then there is, interestingly, there's no 10th Doctor story, but there is the 11th Doctor story, The Crimson Horror, uh, adapted by Mark Gatiss. Yeah. I wonder why, of all of uh, his stories, he chose to adapt that one.
1: I don't know. What, What other stories? Unicorn and the Wasp is 10th, isn't it? Is that the only 11th Doctor story he's done?
0: Marcus didn't do Unicorn and the Wasp. That was um, Gareth Roberts. Wasn't
1: that was Gareth Roberts, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it was, yeah. Oh, no, I'm thinking of... Um, yeah. What's the with Dickens? Unquiet Dead.
0: Oh, you're quite Dead. Or you, yeah, yeah. you could have done The Idiot's Lantern. Um, yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah. I can't think of another Interesting. 11th Doctor's story he's done.
0: And then there's no 12th Doctor story, but there is The Witchfinders by Joy Wilkinson, the 13th Doctor story, which I believe is the first 13th Doctor story to get any kind of novelization.
1: Yeah, definitely. It definitely is. I know a lot of people are excited about that. Um, I must just backtrack on what I said. Victory of the Daleks, The Good Man Goes to War, Night Terrors, The Wedding of Riversong, Cold War, Crimson Horror, are all Mark Gates' episodes for the I'm, 11th Doctor.
0: I mean, I guess he wouldn't want to do... Victory of the Daleks because there was already three Dark stories being yeah. done. So a that good makes
1: to war. What, which one was that?
0: That's that's a. Is that an Eleventh Doctor story?
1: Yeah, they all the ones I just mentioned are Eleventh Doctor. I do not remember this episode. Oh yeah, I do it's like a that big really climactic one. Yeah.
0: Is that the one like the series the end the first part of series six ended with?
1: Um, a good I guess towards was the seventh episode of the mid-series final of series six of Doctor Who. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. The one with the big reveal.
1: Yeah. And then he did night river terrors, yeah. which is the one with where they get shrunk into that little house. And, um,
0: Oh yeah. That's a fun one.
1: The wedding of River Song, cold war, which is an ice warriors one. That one would have been cool, but maybe they've recently done an ice Wait, he warriors.
0: Did, did Mark Aters help write the wedding of river song?
1: Uh, no, he just wrote it. Oh wait, no, he wrote no, no, no. He was an actor in it. Sorry, I'm just looking at a list here. Yeah.
0: Okay, I was wondering because I, because I was sure Moffat wrote that. No, yeah, Moffat. Moffat wrote all the finale.
1: Yep, 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 yep. You are right. Sorry, my apologies. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they sound good. I'm always more inclined to read them the more they announce. I'm like, oh, they must be good if they keep publishing them.
0: Hmm. And there's clearly an audience for them because. I, mean, I don't know if there were ones before Rose and Ava Doctor, but this mm. is like a big, you know, boost to that kind well, of... Well, the Target uh, book range was thing.
1: huge during, like, the wilderness years when there was no Doctor Who. I think, I know Moffitt yeah, wrote for it, um, Gates and Russell did as well. I remember when I spoke to Johnny Morris, I think there was a meeting and he was like, oh, I've seen, like, I know all these, like, I know Moffitt's names and I know Stephen's name because of, like, the Target book range. Yeah and um Paul Cornell as well when um something that we're working on at the moment is cancelled doctor who stories and a few of his target ones almost made it to the big screen so i see yeah. interesting um story. in in other news uh bradley walsh has been talking about john bishop john bishop um doctor who's bradley walsh reacts to john bishop replacing him on the show from digital spy um, let me quickly find a quote. Well, actually, I've spoken to Bish a few times. Bishy is a pal Bish. of mine, Bishy. and he's going to be and he's going to do fantastically well. Bish is a fine actor, he has worked with Ken Loach and everyone, so Bish knows exactly what he's doing. He's worked to Ken Loach when the hell did John Bishop do that?
0: Uh, I I honestly couldn't say. <laughs> to be honest, my kind of, I remember back in kind of earlier 2010s, I was a big fan of John Bishop and all his stand-up, but he kind of, I don't know, I don't, does he still do stand-up? It feels yeah. like he sort of fell off, he not, stopped doing that.
1: Yeah, not so much like televised, and everything, you know, like Michael McIntyre. Yeah. You don't seem Did to he kind of st-
0: move more towards acting work, or is it just...
1: Well, I've seen that, him. I saw yeah. him, I saw him, I saw him, I think it was his supersonic tour I went and saw with my dad, and that was great. Um, Root Irish, a two thousand and ten drama thriller. Apparently, John Bishop was in, directed ah, right. by um, Ken Loach, screenplay by Paul Cavanagh. Uh Yeah, so there you go. Maybe, maybe if people want to go and see John Bishop actually think, acting, they should check that out. Was he?
0: Was he in Fresh Meat? I
1: don't That's know. I don't think so. Meat? I've only seen a few episodes of Fresh
0: Meat. I, I I feel like I read his autobiography way back when, and I I remember him talking about being on set for a show and. I want to say it was fresh meat, but I have no idea if that's correct or not.
1: Let's have a quick look. Fresh meat. Fresh meat, Jack Whitehead. John Bishop saved my student. Oh, I think maybe he wrote for it, perhaps. Okay. Um, John Bishop saved my student comedy night. Oh, so maybe not. The first night we did, our headliner pulled out, so I frantically called round to find a replacement. Someone gave me the name of a stand-up based up north that I'd never heard of. Oh, fair enough. So there is a connection there with Jack Whitehall, but it's not through Fresh Meat. Um, Bradley Walsh said... Okay, he um, is that a might fa- be where I
0: got like, messed. Yeah. Uh,
1: Bradley That's Walsh. I it mixed up. He is a fine actor and funny dude. I just hope that he can get some funny lines in, because when you are my age... When you are um sorry, at our age, forgive me. When you are our age on the show, you get a chance to do some quirky quips. So hopefully, he'll get away with a few of those. So yeah, he's all up for June Bishop replacing him on Dot 2. Well, it's not replacing him, really, is he? Otherwise, you could basically say Bradley Walsh yeah. replaced Carol Ann Ford uh, <laughs> way back from 1963. Yeah, everyone, they've just been.
0: Everyone's just a replacement. (laughs) I mean, they never really... They never never refer to the companions as replacements, do they? Except, did Rose consider... Was the Rose-Sarah Jane thing? Did Sarah Jane ever refer to Rose as a replacement?
1: I'm not sure. I think Rose referred to Sarah... I think Rose thought she had replaced Sarah Jane, but Sarah Jane didn't think Rose had replaced her.
0: Did Rose at any point refer to Martha as a replacement? when like, she came back for...
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think by that point, maybe Rose had already realised that people had previously travelled with the Doctor. Yeah. But doesn't Donna, when she first bought the TARDIS in Runaway Bride, she finds Rose's shirt for some weird reason. The Doctor's left Rose's shirt hanging around. <laughs> and uh, she gets a bit creeped out by that, doesn't she?
0: Mm. Yeah, and I, I feel like the whole kind of referring to it as a replacement happens more with the actual Doctors. I know that in the three doctors, um, William Hartnell referred to Pertwee and um, Charlton as his replacements. Yeah. The Dandy the Clown.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> These impressions, they just keep building.
0: Each one worse than the last.
1: Is that all oh, you can say, though, as the first Doctor?
0: I, I don't, I've not really done much, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. First Doctor, me dear. Hmm. <laughs>
1: Well, later on this year, when we get to do the uh, the five Doctors, you'll be able to um, up your... Uh,
0: I'll try your... my uh, Richard... Is, was his name Richard Turnbull? or Richard Herring. Play? No, not
1: Richard Herring. That's the comedian. <laughs> Doctor Who. Richard... Uh, do not know. I'm having a quick look. We need to hire someone. Who can just like we
0: need to fire like a fact checker,
1: yeah. Yeah, like a researcher who just sits in the corner. We, we, need a, just...
0: we need a tin dog to feed the uh facts into our
1: ears. Richard Hurdle.
0: Hurdle, that's it.
1: What did you say? Richard Turnbull? Just <laughs> makes someone up. Oh, uh, Richard Turnbull. Well, I, I wasn't for
0: that laugh. Of... Is... Uh
1: Church he works at the Church of England, Richard Turnbull. So there you go. Uh, Maybe one day he will be Doctor Who.
0: He's a he's a guy. We gonna yeah. have him on. Harry, don't blink. Like
1: don't blink. Because behind you, it's a weeping angel. They're back. They're back everywhere. They're coming out the sea. Don't stop. Never stop rocking. The weeping angels. Hey, they're back.
0: I think like... we already did a news bit about the weeping angels being back. Yeah, but not everybody like... might.
1: <laughs> not everybody will have seen that, so we're, like, updating them now.
0: Are You sure? You, you, you put Jodie in a red circle in the thumbnail. I'm sure people will have seen
1: it. I said I put a weeping angel in a red circle. Thank you very much
0: no i said jody ander and stuff but also you threw david tennant in there for some reason even though the news wasn't really he's in there and you're like is david tennant coming back well not for a one-off weeping angel story tim what i but. like
1: what i like about that is people obviously 90 uh, percent of the people watching that video understand that uh what i'm saying in there is the fact that in a in a comic book run David Tennant's Doctor and Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. Met really, look
0: that, aren't you? Tim? Over really a Weeping
1: Angel's story, and I said perhaps they will link it somehow. It's possible there is a pre-existing story. It's probably not going to happen. Is also what I do say, but you still get I people just going. Heard the
0: continuity. This is <laughs> I just heard the continuity of that, um that comic book is going to be ruined now because Jodie and the fam like encounter the meeting Weeping Angels. But I imagine when they appear on uh, the show, Yass is going to have to act like she's never met the Weeping Angels before, even yeah. though, according to the comics, Yass has already had a run-in with them. So that sucks for the Titan comics.
1: What do you think for uh, Weeping Angels returning? All aboard or everybody off this ship? Is, everybody abandoned I mean, abandon ship. On board or abandoned ship? It's them.
0: a weird one because really, up to this point, the Weeping Angels... Well, they are, and they have always been Stephen Moffat's baby. He invented them, and there hasn't been a single Weeping Angel story he has that hasn't had him as the writer. So, this is going to be the first actually. Weeping you're Angel forgetting story.
1: Revelation of the Daleks when a doctor meets one of the Weeping Angels in prison.
0: I'm, I'm... okay. For... Well, we know know Chibnall can write a Weeping Angel for one shot of a show, but this is like a whole episode. This is the first Weeping Angel story not written by Moffat. And that's interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously Blink is incredible. Excellent. Like one of the best episodes of Doctor Who. And subsequent Weeping Angels episodes have varying receptions. Mm. Um, But I feel like generally they're all pretty good. I like all of them. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah. I'm just interested. I'm just interested who's going to write this Weeping Angel story and just how they're going to handle it.
1: Yeah. So, are, are, they you, going to try and... are you all aboard or everybody off ship? What are you all aboard? If you're on the board, you go I'm a, I'm toot toot. Or if you're I'm on the board, a... you go splish splash. Which one are you going splish splash or toot toot? Toot
0: toot, Tim. Toot toot.
1: Toot-tool. He's tooting himself. I'm so hyped. For Why
0: Enthusiastic. No, oh, no. Has it been uh, a long day, Tim. It has been you're a long right? day.
1: Yes, I've been filming today. It's been almost unbearable.
0: <laughs> oh God. Oh, I wish I could be filming.
1: Oh, I do apologise. Um, the yeah, next doctor was. We're, we're, we're still milking this bit. Who's going to be the next doctor after? We're going
0: to get more more actors in the thumbnail.
1: <laughs> Um, early one, one actress or actor has announced that they would like to be the doctor. Who do you think it is? Take a guess, wild guess, stabbing in the dark.
0: Um, uh, uh Richard Turnbull, is it, is it Richard Turnbull?
1: Uh, <laughs> um, Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, Whoopi okay. Goldberg. Um, Whoopi That's... Goldberg. Yep, Whoopi, Whoopi, Whoopi! It's Whoopi Goldberg. She wants to be the first American doctor. That's right.
0: Hey, you know what? Whoopi is a great performer. She's a great actor. If they did cast her, she'd do a great job. I feel like I'd like, just because it's a British property, I feel like most people would like it if she at least did in a British accent. Yeah. I know that people would be entirely opposed to it. and I'm sure I've said at some point that I feel like the Doctor should remain British. Hmm. But then you say with would be Goldberg, who is a bloody good actor, and I have to rethink it.
1: I'd like her to do, do it as her character it. from Sister Act.
0: I could do it as a character from Ghost.
1: <laughs> do you want to hear what she said about Doctor Who? Absolutely. I wanted to be the first female Doctor, but they have one. I said to him... What? I I think she's talking to here. uh, Speaking to uh, Sci-Fi Magazine, Golweg said uh, that she had discussed her Doctor Who aspirations with former star Tom Baker, who played the Doctor from 1974 to 1981. I wanted to be the first female Doctor, but they have one, she said. I said to him... I love the idea of an American Doctor Who. I'm still trying to do it. Goldberg has hinted that her desire to play the time traveling Alien before when she made a guest appearance on David Tennant's podcast. We don't have a Doctor Who, she told Tennant. We don't have that character who is travelling through dimensions and time and being an observer, sometimes a hindrance, sometimes a help. The idea of that just makes me so happy. Goldberg Honestly, said yeah, the BBC producers cool. turned her away from the role. <gasps> Disgusting.
0: Honestly, I just think it's kind of cool that someone like Ruby Goldberg knows what Doctor Who is and is a fan.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of big Doctor Who fans. I think Tom, Tom um, Hanks is a Doctor Who fan.
0: Really? Tom Hanks watches <laughs> yes.
1: Doctor Who? Famous Doctor Who fans. Let's have a look. Um, that,
0: well, that feels like that could, that could be a whole video in itself.
1: <laughs> uh, Stephen Fry. He likes that.
0: The- makes sense. That uh, me- of course, Stephen. Fry, he's been on it.
1: What? Well, I know we spoke the other day about um, big name guests or big name actors coming on and just doing one or two seasons as the Doctor. Mm. Um, yeah. Why not? Why not have Whoopi Goldberg? Could be anybody. Why not?
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. Whoopi Goldberg's like great. <laughs> I mean, we know she doesn't want to be president, so being the doctor, that's the next best
1: thing. (laughs) Um, New segment. It's a new segment. It's time for a new segment, Harry. What's the new
0: segment?
1: It's called Harrison's Half Hour. That's right. I've brought Harrison into the main show. Where is he? I don't see him. Pre-recorded, pre-recorded. It's a new segment I'm calling Harrison's Half Hour. Where um, one guy on Twitter the other day, I think his name was Dan, sent uh, our Instagram page, so not on Twitter, at all, on Instagram, sent our Instagram page a DM with a cool Doctor Who theory. Now, as two people who kind of bumble their way around the world of Doctor Who every week, I decided to send the theory over to Harrison. And see what he because he knows the
0: show, yeah. Because he
1: knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. So uh, let me read the theory out for you, and then we'll play a really cool theme, and then you'll hear Harrison, and then you'll hear the theme again, and then you'll hear us. So the the theory that Dan had was: I have a theory about the timeless child. It's a it's it's wild and will never be true, but could they make it so that because of so could they make it that it was because of Amy? Maybe brought the Doctor back after the Big Bang 2, but maybe she remembered him as the man who cannot die. So maybe the origins also change. She brought her parents back, altering her timeline. Surely she could do the same with the Doctor's timeline also. And this is what Harrison had to say. <laughs>
2: It's quite interesting, you know. Obviously, we are able to learn the cause of the change in the history of the Doctor um, and the Timeless Child, as we learn uh, in the Chibnall era. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's on the cards because we are aware that it isn't true. However, you know, um, it's cool to um, it, it's cool to talk about it in a way because we learn that the crack in time that Amy had in her room is as a result of the Time Lords. You learn that at the end of the Smith era. Um, perhaps, you know... Amy doesn't hold the power to change the Doctor's history, but she did have the power to return into the universe. Um, and the cracking time that she had in her room, like, you know, in, um, in the words um, of the Smith incarnation, where he talks about all that energy pouring into Amy's heads, um, you know, obviously altered her life and changed her forever. So perhaps that was able to play into that, you know? It's, just, it's interesting to speak about. It's interesting to speak about. But, um, yeah... I mean, obviously, we are aware this isn't true. However, it is, it is interesting to f- have on the cards, really. You know, Doctor Who, anything anything can happen at this point. And it's crazy to believe that Amy, um, well, in the bloodline anyway, is kind of related as well to the Doctor. So perhaps she's got that Time Lord essence in her. We don't know, but it isn't 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 clear. But um, So I don't believe that Amy, even if she had the power... Um, is able to alter the history um, of the Time Lord, like, of the Doctor. And that's purely because, like, she wasn't really aware of the other incarnations even prior to Smith. So I don't believe that Amy would even... Even if Amy was able to, that Amy would even, like, opt to be aware um, that she could alter his history because all she has in her head, the image of the Doctor for her, is the Smith incarnation and that's it. So I don't believe it could happen. I don't believe it is plausible. But it's nice to speak about anyway, and I'm grateful for you having to come up with that idea.
1: What did you think of Harrison's thoughts there, Harry?
0: Um, I think, you know, for his very well thought out thoughts that Harrison has thought
1: of. Did you like the theme I tune, just heard or would them. you would you like me to explain the theme tune because you seem to be slightly was, the theme tune was
0: banging. The theme tune was banging. Loved it.
1: Uh, yeah, or, so What was it? Or... What was the theme do, tune?
0: Do 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 do. It's Harrison's half hour. Do do do. do. Nobody. That, that
1: nobody, it, spoke. Right? nobody spoke. Nobody spoke in it. No. No one said a word.
0: Uh, I don't know. Was it like um.
1: It was a a speeded up version of Hancock's Half Hour, the like nineteen forties BBC radio drama. I took the theme tune from that and I sped it up.
0: I think I think I heard that on the radio once.
1: But Harrison's Half Hour? It was it was a comedy show, right? Was it a comedy show? I think so. Uh, if you want to send in your fan theories, just find us on Instagram and uh, just send us a DM. Sometimes I'll put a story up asking for them. Uh, go to Instagram, uh, bigger on the pod, and just just send us any old rubbish, and we will be sure to read it out on the podcast. It fills the time, and it's all good. Does um, Harrison really talk about it for half an hour? No, he talks about it for about three minutes, but it's just called Harrison. Okay, good, because I'm
0: just saying these episodes are long enough.
1: Without just Harrison, just sat there talking to himself. <laughs> for half an hour.
0: Why have we never done, like, a... Like a, you know, a special where it's, like, all three of us? Ah, oh, done...
1: don't you start. I get this from Harrison all the time.
0: <laughs> I just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it for the we'll do it for the for the subscriber special we can eventually be asked to do.
1: Yeah. Oh, we've got news about that coming up as well. I'm saving that to the last. It's a sin. Oh, do 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 are you
0: are you okay, so you're allowed to make up theme songs for things? But no, I'm, I'm not...
1: singing the song It's a sin. Do 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 Oh it's, there's an actual
0: song called it's Oh, so it's probably gonna be the
1: Theme song for the show. Yeah, uh, the reason I want to talk about—we're not actually going to talk about "It's a Sin" because it's not out yet. But um, I don't know if you saw, but Russell T. Davis has filmed some uh, brand new Dalek scenes for his new Channel Four drama "It's a Sin." Do 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 do.
0: Tim, like how much sugar? have you had before recording this?
1: I haven't had any sugar or well I probably have but not like sweets or anything. I so okay so here's the thing. I was on the phone with an emergency dentist and they said I can't eat any hot foods or drinks for the foreseeable future until I get my tooth seen to. So you're
0: just having salads?
1: So I well I didn't know that until today after I had a cup of tea and my tooth was suddenly like in, in agony. I generally just haven't had any sugar today. I don't know why I'm so hyper. So what do you think of that? Um, He's filmed new Dalek scenes. That's exciting. Wow.
0: So I'm guessing that means he's written Dalek scenes. My question is, in what context are Daleks going to be (laughs) appearing in the show? I I think. I guess, what, what, what period is the show set? Is it set in the 80s? It's
1: set in the 80s, I believe, yeah.
0: So, I mean, yeah, Doctor Who was on. So maybe there's going to be some kind of, I don't know, like sequence where one of the characters is on the set of Doctor Who or there's some <laughs> kind of dream sequence involving. I I I mean, I'm going to be watching the show, so I'll be able to report back exactly mm. how and why Daleks are in the show.
1: Yeah. Um, I, It got me thinking, though, because I saw an interview where Stephen Moffat said that he still comes up with Doctor Who ideas, even though he's no longer showrunner. He's like, oh, that'd be such a good Doctor Who story. And Russell said he doesn't. He said he just doesn't think of Doctor Who ideas anymore. But would you like to see one of them, or both of them, return to do like... You know, like when Russell was showrunner, Stephen would do like an episode every series or whatever. Mm. Would you like to see that in Chibnall? So it's like, oh, we're doing a special episode and it's written by Russell T Davies.
0: Okay. I had a thought about this, and this is something, this isn't entirely a pipe dream, but what if for the 60th to just, as a celebration of kind of, uh, you know, Doctor Who and New Who and all that, what if they did like a free part special where part one was written by Russell, part two was written by Moffat, and part three was written by Chris Chibnall. A bit experimental, a bit out there, but just to see what the heck would happen,
1: do you remember those drawings where you would like get a piece of paper and you'd fold it over, and someone would draw a head, and then the next person yeah. would draw the body, and it just gets worse as it goes along yeah
0: like, like well, I mean worse is subjective mm, yeah um, <laughs> I just think it'd be I just'd be great if like Russell threw an idea, Stephen did something crazy because that's. Stephen Moffat of all of them is probably the one who do the craziest thing, and then Chibnall would be like, "All right, let's let's see what I can do with this." And I just realised I'm I'm describing the Star Wars sequel trilogy.
1: You are. It's basically just Stephen and uh, Russell writing the Doctor into a corner every week where he cannot escape, and I just well, giving it to, so much
0: fun. I'm no, <laughs> Giving
1: it to Chris Chibnall, go like, and hey, get out of on that one
0: because. Because they're not showrunners anymore. They don't really have any kind of responsibility or anything. So they could just go to town and have a blast. And you know what? Because it's a 60th, it would be like an anniversary special. I, I think it would be cool. And like in each story, like in, in Russell's story, one of his doctors could come back. In Steven's story, one of his doctors could come back. And then you have all three of them in Chibnall's story doing... That, that's what I'd like to see.
1: Okay, well, maybe we'll pitch that to the BBC at our next meeting.
0: Well, no, actually, it's be even better because by this point, Jodie probably won't be the doctor. So then Jodie can come back for and It'll be a four-doctor story, which is like the day of the doctor times two if you don't count John Hurt <laughs> or Tom Baker. Baker knows the exact same amount of doctors. It's the exact what about... same amount of doctors.
1: Yeah, and all the other doctors that they brought back when they were all still in that cloud at the end.
0: Yeah, but like, those were just like they were just like people they just superimposed their faces on them.
1: No, they were the real doctors.
0: No, I've seen the behind the scenes. It's just people. It's
1: the, people they're watching. the real doctors, Harry.
0: That's right. They brought the real back, doctors. They brought John Pertwee, Patrick Troughton and William Hartnell all back from the dead. William Hartnell didn't want to do it so they
1: got Richard Turnbull, the priest. They got him yeah. <laughs>
0: Usually, I feel like I'm the one who goes off the rails and like waffles and does weird shit that ruins the podcast. Uh. It's weird to be the straight man. <laughs>
1: that's going to be a, a, a bugger to edit. 200 subscribers. We're almost there. We might be. Um, we're going to do a 200 subscriber special.
0: Hooray. Featuring our faces?
1: Possibly. Yeah, why not? I mean, I think my yeah, face is. Yeah, that's what has you said to here. me. I think my face has been on a channel already. I think you can see it.
0: I mean, I feel like even if my face hasn't been on, it's not that hard to find my face (laughs) online.
1: No, I don't think we've ever... We haven't hidden our faces, but just by the nature of it being a podcast, you just don't need to put your face out there.
0: Well, you know, I'm trying to get an acting career on its feet, so it would be kind of counterproductive to hide my face.
1: Oh, so maybe I'll show my face. But do you want to wear a bag or something? Or do you, or do you want to show no, your no, face? No,
0: oh, no, I want to show it because I want to be... In, I mean, unless I feel like being on a Doctor Who podcast would be detrimental to my career. <laughs> I, I don't feel like it would be. I, I just come on and talk about how much I like Doctor Who. If anything, that puts me in slightly better steed to be maybe cast on Doctor Who. Please, BBC, I'm begging you. I'll do anything.
1: Both of us. We come as a package.
0: What? Well, well, would you Would you be... What would you want to do on
1: Doctor Who? So you used to be like the main character. You'd be like the main guest no, I'm, character. I'm, I'm, and I'd just be at the side going, what? <laughs> like that, like, what? So you'd
0: be like... Okay, so you like, you know, Orphan 55, where... um,
1: I've not seen it. I've not seen it. It's the only episode but, like, of New you, Who I've never seen.
0: Have you watched all of Capaldi's era? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um... I mean, so have I. I There's no, that's a wow. Um, just because a lot of people (laughs) dropped off during Capaldi's era. Yeah. I can't remember what's his name. The guy who plays Jay from In Between Us. Uh, James Buckley. Yeah, James Buckley. Like, I'd I'd be like the James. I mean, even that, actually, no, because James Buckley wasn't the main guest, wasn't like the main side character in Orphan 55. Oh,
1: you'd be Lee Mack in Kablam.
0: Didn't Lee Mack, like, die really early on? Yeah, but
1: I'd be Lee Mack's friend. (laughs) Just going, what? Kablam? Yeah, uh... More like Kabloom. And I pull out some flowers. Da da
0: I don't think you remember Kablam like I remember <laughs> Kablam.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I'm fully out of news. Is there anything? You're... Oh, no, there's more news. There so is. Much...
0: It never stops.
1: Won't stop, don't stop, won't stop rocking. I'm it back. It's never disappearing. Um, no, uh, Clark. <laughs> no, Clark, who played Mickey Smith, was asked by the Guardian if he would play the Doctor. How interesting! And
0: what did he say?
1: He said what was his response. His response was: um, Clark spent five years on the bi- on Doctor Day with Billy Piper, and he remembers the show warmly, saying he'd happily uh, he'd be happy to pop back in again. Uh, where he asked. Uh, but what about the main role? With rumours Jodie Whisker may be leaving. That's in the thumbnail. Would he consider being the first black doctor? Well, there's a conversation to be had, he said, laughing at providing me with some headline-worthy speculation. There, I said it. No clerk set to return to Doctor Who. For someone who doesn't like talking to the press, he certainly provides good copy. So there you go.
0: So he didn't really say either way.
1: No, but he would like He's to. It's never return. been done
0: before, has it? A companion has never returned as a time as the doctor,
1: have they? I would I don't, I don't um, think I would like that. I feel like they're so separate characters that it then makes it an actor rather than the two separate characters.
0: Obviously it's not outside the realms of possibility. There's um Obviously, both Capaldi and Colin Baker both played characters in one-off stories before then returning as a Doctor. And even with Capaldi's Doctor, they made a big point about how the reason he had the face of the character Capaldi played previously was as a reminder to help people and save people.
1: Looks in a puddle, doesn't he? Looks in a puddle at his old, wrinkly face. He goes, who gave me this frown?
0: He was only 55,
1: yeah, how old is he now? He's sixty-two, I think. Is he still
0: can go through his age? Still doing work. Saw him, uh, saw him on TV this Christmas. What was he doing? He was in a ghost story. I think it was written by Mark Gatiss. Yeah, it was.
1: Oh, cool! It's all coming together. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. I'd love to see Mickey return. I thought I. He's <laughs> a. It's, especially after what we've done with the with the with the podcast. I, I've got a newfound love for Mickey.
0: I feel like, yeah, if I would see him return, I'm not opposed to him playing a doctor, but I'd rather see him return as Mickey just because I'm a big fan of Ricky. I mean, Mickey.
1: Yeah. Why
0: um, oh I call him Ricky? Well, if
1: you br- if you bring also, Martha or Mickey back, you have to bring the yeah. other one back.
0: Oh, yeah, because they're married.
1: Yeah. yeah. Did you see? <laughs> there was a, yeah. there was a on Twitter, and it was like, someone I said, I so hope that when... Jodie's era finishes. That, that the, uh, the doc, like the Jodie's whittaker's do- doctor is like on a balcony and she's overlooking Ryan and Graham and like they're fighting a tower And Ryan just turns to Graham and goes, This is no place for a married man. And Ryan goes, Well, you should, we should have married me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. No doing it, know. mate. <laughs> you doing it, mate. Doing it. Go on, doing it.
0: Tim, that that's the worst thing you've said on this podcast so far. That's terrible. What the idea that's of Grain terrible.
1: and Ryan being married?
0: Yes, that's no. St- <laughs> I don't even want to give that any more uh, time.
1: Talking of time, what's what are we doing next, Harry? What's next? It's the watch along do a do one of your cool intros into the watch along bit
0: I know, so i was gonna do this whole thing about how it's been a long time since, we, since we've seen each other in person now we should have some kind of reunion um once this is all over and you know about transition into a school reunion but now nah, after you said that i don't even want to say it also so, we have you know, i know i texted you the
1: other day and i said since starting this podcast we haven't seen each other but we went we went and saw Tenant.
0: That's uh, right, we did see Tenet together, yeah. Yeah, that
1: was a waste of time.
0: <laughs> that was yeah, honestly like a school reunion would have been better, a better reunion than seeing Tenet.
1: Yeah. Talking I about mean, school of reunions.
0: There we go, that's our transition.
1: <laughs> it was balls. It was awful.
0: I. Uh, it had qualities that Weren't the type of qualities I personally value in films. A couple of of
1: grown men running backwards, and Michael Caine was there for that brief little bit.
0: I just wish there was stronger characterization. I just wish that I, you know, is a protagonist literally just being called the protagonist and not really having a character beyond serving the function of being the protagonist.
1: Was Michael Caine's character called Sir Michael?
0: He was, and he was there for one scene, just like, hello, I'm Michael Caine. And then the protagonist was like, thanks, sir, uh, Michael.
1: My mother was a lovely woman. She made me the best tea ever. Yeah. It's not bad, is it?
0: That was, yeah, it was, that was I mean, yeah, you know, it's as good as my impressions.
1: I just googled Tenant, uh, uh, Tenet, Michael Caine, and the first thing that's come up is from the Independent. Tenant is a garbage movie, and here's why that matters. <laughs> the
0: independent
1: the independent yeah
0: that sounds like very clickbaity for the independent yeah that sounds like like you know something you'd see like like an angry youtube thumbnail saying Tedder is garbage and here's why
1: i mean it was it's one of the worst films i've seen at the cinema
0: i well you say that but i saw two other films uh, before um, cinemas closed and Tenet was better than both of those. What did I think you see? just that the, the film. I saw, was it called 23 Walks? Um, which was a very small, low budget picture. And the writing was quite questionable at a lot of points. Um, and then the other film I saw was uh, Pixie.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember Pixie, yeah. That looks good.
0: And Pixie. It, it's a good trailer, but then, like, you see the film and it doesn't quite deliver. Like, they made a big deal about kind of Alec Baldwin being in it in the trailer, but then he's, like, only in two scenes. And oh, it's got
1: really... 93% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: But I don't, I don't want to say, me and the people I went to see it with, none of us really got much out of it.
1: And what was the other one called? Uh,
0: 23 Walks. 23 I walks. believe it was 23 Walks. 23. I want to Oh
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. that's got 72% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Well, I I didn't I wasn't enamoured with either of them.
1: And Tenant has 70%. That's high. That's too high. I need to bring that down.
0: Wait, Tenet has a lower score than both those films?
1: It's got 70%, yeah.
0: Well, that's probably just because more people saw Tenet.
1: It's also too high. It needs to be brought down. So, everybody, just go over there and just leave a comment saying... To spam hate. What a, what a I'm not going to tell people breath. to spam
0: hate... I'm not going to tell people to spam hate, Tenet.
1: Just leave, yeah. leave, leave a comment saying, what up, dog breath? Where's your mum? Buying croissants? Lol. Just leave that. What does that
0: mean?
1: No, it doesn't mean anything.
0: Like Tenet.
1: <laughs> Type it back okay, no, that, That's the That's cruel.
0: That's cruel. That's cruel. Tenet. tenet. I mean, did, did Tenet have I mean, it doesn't feel like Tenet had like a message. It was just kind of a. The worst thing about Tenet is movie.
1: what's come afterwards with Christopher Nerland defending his own movie, basically saying that people don't understand it because they're not ready for his genius yet.
0: Did he say that as much as that? He's like, I feel like he wouldn't have called himself a genius, would he? Uh,
1: he's spoken a lot about the sound and said that a lot of directors in the past... The
0: sound.
1: Yeah, the sound of tone, because you can't hear what anyone is saying.
0: I remember, like, the gun... I don't know if it's just, like, where we were sat in the cinema, but the gunshots were really loud. And the music. Yeah. The the sound mixing seemed off, but I don't know if that was because of, like, the cinema or the film itself, because I've never had that problem before
1: um no i think it was i think it was the film i know a lot of people had horrible sound issues with it i remember there was a scene on the boat and i remember looking at you being like there's so much there's so much dialogue here i do not know what what is going on
0: that was a pretty important scene as well and it was poorly for me it was poorly blocked because just like three people standing around just explaining you know uh the, the, Kenneth Branagh has a thing that will end the universe? Or time? or I don't know but and I don't know why Kenneth Branagh wanted to end time or whatever Duh. it was he wanted to do.
1: It was like when I saw I Man got, From Uncle. I got to the end of it and I sat there and I thought, what was that about?
0: I don't know. Uh, Tenet's uh, tennis, a movie that makes me feel stupid for not understanding it.
1: Yeah, that's why I didn't like it i felt stupid for not getting it and then when i came out and found that everybody else didn't know what was going on it was okay it's
0: just a, i mean I, maybe if i saw it a second time maybe if i'd seen 10 or two more times instead of seeing 23 walks and pixie
1: <laughs> christopher nolan says fellow directors have called to complain about lot is inaudible sound inaudible sound <laughs> we got lots of complaints Dude. nolan said um I actually got calls from other filmmakers who would say, "I just saw your film, and the dialogue is inaudible." Some people thought maybe the music's too loud, but the truth was it was kind of the whole—oh, big word—enchilada. Uh, basically, he's just saying it's how they chose to mix it. Oh. It was very, very—it's a—it was a very, very radical mix. Uh, I was a little shocked to realise how um, conservative people are where where it comes to sound. Oh, get him! I was a little shocked to realise how conservative people are when it comes to sound. Because you can make a film that looks like anything. You can shoot it on your iPhone. No, No one's going to complain. But if you mix the sound a certain way, or if you use certain sub-frequencies, people... Get up in arms. That's because Christopher Nolan. As long as we can, it can be filmed on anything. As long as we can see it, but it's over filming it if we can fucking hear what's going on. That's why. That's why people are annoyed. Ah, ah. There you go. That's my rant. I always
0: hey. find it in. I always find it interesting to hear about kind of directors who like talking about the work of directors because, like, actors. They're always really nice about each other and the work they've done. But directors, they really go to town if we don't like what another director's done. Yeah. Like, did you know that, like, back in like the 70s, like, S- Spielberg, George Lucas, Martin Scorsese, and Francis Ford Coppola like, were all, like, best friends? Yeah. And the, if
1: all... um, oh, don't tell me because it's part of my film studies. They are called, they're, they've got, like, a, a group name. Do you remember it?
0: I can't remember it.
1: Oh, what's it called? I can't remember, I'll text someone now. But Sorry, go on, yeah.
0: Yeah, but like, George Lucas like took like a rough cut of Star Wars to show them, you know, like, oh, I'll, I'll show my movie to my friends. And Spielberg was nice about it, which makes sense. But then Scorsese and Coppola just like went to town on it. They hated it. And Francis Ford Coppola was just like, I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, <laughs> there's a giant dog thing there. What's happening? <laughs> and it was actually Francis Ford Coppola who said to George Lucas, what you need to do is you need to start this film with an opening crawl so I know what the hell is going on. <laughs> so the famous Star Wars opening crawl is Francis Ford Coppola's idea.
1: Yeah, I know that Lucas also, I think he sort of, I don't know, because didn't he? I thought he took that from Flash Gordon, didn't he?
0: Well, he did, but I think because the whole thing was like, inspired by space operas i mean it is a space opera but i think it was francis Ford coppola who suggested adding the opening crawl
1: Ah, uh, see um i've just messaged my film studies group chat and nobody has replied to my message so come back next week to find out what that, that, that friendship group was called i bet they were called the the cin- the cine boys
0: the cine boys
1: yeah like cinema and they're all boys the cine boys
0: wouldn't it, be better, wouldn't it make more sense if we were called the Cine-Men?
1: Nah, boys with a Z. But,
0: but, but me, the cinema, cinema, men?
1: Nah, the Cine-Boys. And they all stand like Charlie's Angels, but they make it look like they're holding Super 8 cameras instead of, instead of pistols.
0: There's no real modern equivalent to that, to my knowledge. Do you I, mean, remember I don't know, when... maybe all the MCU directors go for lunch together.
1: Do you remember when we um, tried to do that segue into school reunion about half an hour ago? Oh,
0: yeah. Are you going to just, like, cut all the stuff we're doing now out, or no, I'm I don't just edit gonna... this.
1: I don't, this will all be in. Everybody can hear this. Doctor don't stop! Never stops rocking! It's all the time! Harry, introduce school reunion!
0: Um... Speaking of school reunions...
1: What do you mean? Speaking of school reunions,
0: Tim, just stop the recording. <laughs> okay, so keep it. Just keeps going. How long have we been talking for? Okay, we've not hit an hour yet. How long did we talk on school reunion for? How long is this episode going to be?
1: Two hours long with loads of adverts.
0: This is why no one listens to the episode reflections because <laughs> we do this.
1: It was pre-recorded when we honest. had some sanity. I'm slowly losing it.
0: I'm going to be honest. I like, I don't really do this for, Fun. you know, internet... Cl- no, for internet cloud. No, I do it entirely for friends. I do it so I can talk to my friend for an hour or two a week.
1: There's somebody else on this podcast?
0: Oh, wow. That cut me mad. Yeah. That cut me deep.
1: Talking of friends... Let's do a friend's podcast, but the one where they do a podcast.
0: I'm sure there's like 50 podcasts already called that.
1: And I bet they've all got like some funny lobster pun. Lobster. something like that. Yeah. Like that sort of I saw, friends. I Whenever I see friends' merchandise, it's always got lobster on it. I don't know. Lobster. Is it is it like what Ross and Rachel say to each other, like you're my lobster or something like that?
0: I mean that sounds like something from friends. I bet the logo friends for to... the
1: podcast is like the frame the picture frame on the door, and it has whatever the podcast uh, title is in the yeah. in, in the uh no. in
0: the frame. Um This Christmas, every Christmas, me and my brother, we go into uh like a, <laughs> this like just a doesn't bargain, stop; it just a keeps going. No, this is relevant. This is—it's no. not relevant to Doctor Who, but it's relevant. But okay. every Christmas, me and my brother, we go into like a a bargain uh, store, like a discount, uh, you know, type, um, and we get each other gifts for, you know, five to ten pounds. And <laughs> this year, Alex got me, my brother. He got me a. Dinosaur egg that you put in water and it like hatches and a little dinosaur grows, and I got him a Friends card quiz game where literally it's like hundreds of cards containing different quiz questions about Friends. I didn't know it was possible to have that much trivia about Friends. Like this was designed for like Friends superfans. We had um, one game with it on Christmas Day, and it was just the worst.
1: Thing ever. Uh, We've well, friends for years. If you want more friends content, go to wherever you get your podcast, and you can listen to Best of Friends podcast. Um, Best of Friends is a weekly podcast with Eric and Malor- Mallory um, Long, uh, 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 Erin Mallory Long, and Jamie Woodham. Hilarious guide, uh, hilariously guides you through every episode of Friends from beginning to end. Bold claim to say you're hilarious, especially when you're up against us two. Jokers.
0: Do you think that they go on tangents about like the Doctor Who board game?
1: (laughs) I'd love it. Or you can listen to the other um, Friends podcast. It's called Friends with Friends. (laughs) That's
0: so so rude. (laughs) Sorry. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Why are you laughing? Tim, wait, Tim, Tim, we're called the Bigger on the Inside podcast. That's the, <laughs> that's the most generic overused name for a Doctor Who podcast. You, like, I, you couldn't have a more overused name for a Doctor Who podcast. Don't go ragging on these people for their friends' podcast names. <laughs> you could have had any podcast name in the world about Doctor Who and you chose like the lowest hanging fruit.
1: <laughs> Don't uh, go
0: ragging on people what they call their <laughs> friends' podcasts, okay? I'm drawing the line there. I'm drawing the line.
1: What would you have called this podcast if you could have named it? What would you have called it?
0: Oof. Um, let's think um, The Sonic Boys. No, because that sounds like a Sonic the Hedgehog podcast.
1: Oh yeah, the time rotating um, boys, the time rotating lads,
0: um, wibbly wobbly podcast, poddy casty stuff.
1: Oh great, that was brilliant, wasn't it? People are gonna type that into our. All
0: right, off, off the top of my head, like what? Okay. Um,
1: yes, I would like okay. a jelly baby.
0: That, that's not New Who. This is a New Who podcast. That me uh, yeah. something be something
1: about New Who. No, I don't have... A, what? What is it the Love says? Got nothing else... What is it? Uh, oh, what's the matter? Got nothing left. <laughs> we, sh- we didn't mention that. We said we were going to mention that last week, That what the new interview was, and we didn't. <laughs> We've got up this time. Nearly an hour in. And we didn't mention the fact that last week we got to interview William Grantham, the creator of the Love. And that'll be out um, either when we do our Love and Monsters episode or after. And it was the... only after it was only after we did the interview that we realised he's
0: actually a pretty successful YouTuber as well. He's channel pup. <laughs> I
1: didn't have a clue. Why was we so <laughs>
0: did this and his, when we were interviewing him the icon was literally the channel pup icon and I didn't realise he was channel pup until we finished recording he's got over
1: 50,000 subscribers uh, he thought he's he was the biggest guy we've had on I thought he was just a kid who did this hop off oh this episodes it's not going very well and I hope they're recorded for I feel like this is
0: this is kind of a a big beautiful mess I, I these are my favourite type of podcasts for some people this I, will
1: be the, the high point or this will be the low point depending on people's
0: this is a high point for me this is a high point for me like <laughs>
1: oh, dear god
0: <laughs> this is why I do this this is why I do this
1: oh well we've, been, we've got to wrap this up we've got to get some freaking school reunion we've got to get there we've got to work it in we've got to work it in Oh, well, it must have been nice for William to talk about his time on Doctor Who. It must have sort of been some sort of reunion.
0: Talking of re- Speaking of reunions...
1: <laughs> oh, everybody enjoy listening to School Reunion. And stick around to the end, because we might have said something funny about Little Mix. Maybe that was this episode. Maybe it was last week, where I overwrote the file and we had to re-record it. Who knows?
0: Tim doesn't listen back to these.
1: I don't listen back. I just know I mean, at some neither point... Neither do I. At some point, I made a joke not, about I, Little Mix, and I don't know when it was.
0: <laughs> well, you're like saying you're really upset. I mean, if it's this episode, they'll hear it.
1: Yeah, well, do you not know spoil the joke?
0: coming weeks away. Spoilers, sweetie. Oh, <laughs> it? we... it's, a reference, it's a reference to the lady in the show. And that's
1: what we could have called our podcast, Hello, Sweetie. Hello, sweetie. <laughs> oh, I mean, here,
0: here, here's School Reunion. Game. Just yeah. listen to it. Shut up. Shut up. Shut pop up. This is a
2: command from the Daleks. All listeners are demanded to subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe or you will be exterminated. Seek, locate, subscribe. You
0: all.
1: <laughs> that was a fun part of the episode, wasn't it, Harry? We talked... Oh, that, yeah, that, that was
0: really funny. That oh. was really funny.
1: It was good. Anyway, let's actually get into the bulk of the God, episode. I just
0: realised... Um, because, like, these, us reacting to the news bit, isn't it? Yes. I mean, oh, yeah. what, what if, like, bad someone news? died? <laughs> Yeah, what well, if, like, well, if, like, someone died? What if, like, Tom Baker died or something? You're like, ah, oh, that was funny.
1: <laughs> oh. oh, well, at least we've said it now, so... <laughs> we've covered yeah. our backs. Anyway, we're, we're, uh, we're back. We're going to do um, our watch-along. We're doing Series 2, Episode 3, which is called what, Harry?
0: It is called score Reunion, written by Toby Whithouse. Is this the first... Dr. Episode We've seen written, Toby Whitehouse.
1: Yeah, it is. He goes on to do a lot more. He goes up right up to Capaldi's last series. So we, we, we'll be seeing him again. But no, yeah, I, when the name came up, I didn't recognize it straight away, but really interesting. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Scorey and written by Turby Whitehouse, David Tennant, Billy Piper, Noel Clark as Mickey, and the reintroduction of um, the late, great, lovely Elizabeth Sladen as Sarah Jane, and John Leeson as K9, Anthony Head as Mr. Finch. And someone called Joe Pickley as Kenny. <laughs> there you go. Hmm.
0: Is that the kid?
1: Yeah, the the I I don't want to describe him just on his weight, but the small fat kid with spiky hair.
0: I mean, the thing is, like that kid's like gonna be like older than us. Like he'll be like <laughs> he might be like in his 30s or at least like twenties. Yeah, that?
1: yeah, something like that. Well, I tried to have like I, tried in to, 30s. I tried to find him because I thought, oh, maybe he'd be cool to have on a podcast. He's got a Twitter Mm -hmm. account. He hasn't tweeted in about five years. And apart from that, I couldn't find anything. But while I was listening to the audio commentary from this episode, um, David Tennant mentioned that um, Joe spent a lot of his free time talking to the girls on set and getting their phone numbers.
0: (laughs) Oh, he's he's, he's the big star.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, Yeah, so let's get straight into Doctor Who's school reunion. Um, The episode opens with that really fun, cold open of Anthony Head. Is it Anthony Head or Anthony Head? I think it's Anthony.
0: I couldn't tell you.
1: So I double-check? Anyway, it's revealed that he is a krillatane. We don't actually see it, do we? He sort of just eats that girl behind his headmaster's door.
0: We don't see him transform, do we, in the episode? No, you
1: never see him transform. There was meant to be a scene where... um, let me, uh, I'm still looking, so apologies if I sound uninterested. it was supposed to be the scene where he tries to persuade the Doctor that he could join them and save Gallifrey. In that scene, you were meant to see his krillotain wings appear and he was going to arch over them as if like, a evil, like an evil angel, but they didn't have time. Mm-hmm. So that would have been the only ah. time he would have seen him. Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, That's Anthony, isn't it? Anthony. Yeah.
0: Anthony.
1: Yeah, there we go. We've learnt that. So yeah, Um, what are your thoughts on the episode, Harry?
0: I think it's a lovely episode. There's a lot going on, and this is kind of... This is an interesting episode, because it means a lot of different things to a lot of different Doctor Who fans, I've kind of found. But I think it's... Yeah, I think it's a really lovely episode. I think it's definitely one of, if not the highlight of uh, Series 2 so far. I know we're not far into it, but I think... Of the three episodes so far, this is my favorite.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the one thing that I remember about this episode when I watching it is there's so much great dialogue in it that I kind of have always just sort of remembered the Doctor teaching physics and saying physics endless times. The bit where he says "Correct, a Mondo." I think even I, just, I think I just say that, and I've never realised where I've got it from. So I watched it back. I like, that's why that's why I say that. I say that. Um, the doctor, that is a great. Yeah. That's a great
0: sequence. Just him being a teacher. I kind of, part of, me kind of wishes we got more of that, more of him in the classroom, to with kids, because it's just such a. It's an odd thing. Like it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't work. Like the Doctor is a teacher. I feel like he'd be a pretty banging teacher, honestly.
1: Like, I remember. I remember, like, the dream as a kid was always like, because I was obsessed with Doctor Who. And, like the thing of thinking, oh, what if I walk around this corner and they're just filming Doctor Who? Or oh, what if one day, for some reason, David Tennant's my teacher? I'd be, oh, shit myself, I'd be so excited. And when you're, like, seven, anything's possible like that. And I remember watching this episode and being like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Because he's such a cool teacher in it as well.
0: Oh, yeah, it's like the whole kind of, like, Pinstripe suit aesthetic kind of, that is kind of a kind of quirky, is kind of, you can buy into it as a quirky, cool teacher.
1: Yeah. Um, Correct to I'll take that off my list. We've talked about physics. Um, Milo, the little kid in the class who knows all the answers to those questions. You don't really see that much of him after that. Mm. Um, I also got me thinking, everybody knows somebody who is like Milo anyway, without the need of crelatane chip oil. I know um, Harrison who does the Big Finish uh, podcast with me. The amount of times we're in class and nobody's hand goes up a bat from Harrison and the teacher just goes, Somebody else, <laughs> because nobody can be bothered to answer the question. I think that might have been me in school. <laughs> uh, I went with two Milo's. Um,
0: it was definitely me in uni. In uni, I was always the one. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: uh, this is this is this is our. I want to say second mention of chips with David Tennant. Chips seems to be a re- reoccurring thing in the Russell T Davis era, especially with Rose.
0: I mean, one thing I actually noticed was when Tennant goes to, when a temp doctor goes to the canteen and he ser- gets served him from Rose, uh, he kind of throws Rose this little grin that I thought was very, very kind of reminiscent of Eccleston. Oh, really? I don't know if you noticed, but he kind of gave his little smug, cheeky grin and it just gave off real Eccleston vibes. And I just kind of find it interesting that, Is that there's when kind, he of that s- kind of that
1: connection Is that when he says, happy, slappy, uh, happy slappy hoodies with asbers and ring turns
0: oh that's a little later on in yeah. the scene it's the same
1: scene yeah i really like that scene because he sort of goes oh yeah yeah i know what i'm on about like he's been like learning all about youth and millennials <laughs> <laughs> um why wasn't kenny allowed to eat chips because the teacher comes up to him and says like you ain't your chips kenny As i'm not allowed
0: isn't it that like the chips are infused with some kind of like brain juice to make the kids super smart? And I yeah, guess for some reason, Kenny isn't allowed to be one of the super smart kids? I, I maybe. Don't
1: know. I also feel like maybe it's slightly implied that maybe he's on a diet or something like that. He's, I, I, I know he's a kid and I'm being slightly careful about what I say, but there's no denying that the character is played for comic relief in some aspects because of his physical appearance would you agree
0: perhaps i didn't really think much of it when i was watching but perhaps as my my blindness um
1: <laughs> Maybe, i'm not saying massively but i'm just saying for that instance where the reason he can't eat chips and all we have to go on is what we can see because we don't really know the character that well at that point yeah that, that's that would be my assumption from that
0: Yeah, possibly, possibly. I think I need to kind of, like, see the actual screenplay and see whether or not they kind of... how they describe Kenny in the screenplay, whether that's something that was always part of the character.
1: Yeah, one thing I really... One thing, um, when I I listened to the commentary for this episode as well, and they were saying... um, they really like David really likes the fact that this story joins them about halfway through an adventure. They're already established in the school. You don't see them start the school. Mm-hmm. But the Toby Whithouse, who wrote it, said there was earlier drafts where it was this school and such and such. But I don't know how much you knew, but the, uh, the BBC at the time were doing what's called Tardisodes, which are like little five-minute preview build-up episodes to the actual episode that would go oh. online. And it's Mickey on the internet, and he finds out about this school and phones the Doctor and Rose and tells them to come back to Earth and sort it out.
0: I didn't realise they were doing those this early on, because I know that kind of in the Matt Smith era, I've seen, like, on YouTube, kind of mini-episodes. I didn't realise they were doing those kind of things that early on. Are those, like,
1: archived anywhere? Or you can just find them on YouTube. You just put Tardisodes or something like that in. They're all on there. They're really good fun. Um, Oh, cool. Did you pick up on the Torchwood reference?
0: Ah, uh, yes, I did. I can't remember where it was. <laughs> it's
1: on Mickey's computer be... as he's typing away. It says, access denied Torchwood.
0: Ah, yeah. right.
1: Um, I wasn't. I really liked the, the conversation Mickey and Rose had where they say, uh, where Rose is like, oh, I thought you called me home just because you missed me. And he's like, nope, called you home because there was some weird alien stuff going on. <laughs>
0: And I respect that. I respect that. Mickey, Mickey, is he's growing, man. He's growing.
1: He's earning his stripes, I feel, isn't he? He does a lot in this episode to sort of prove his worth. And yeah, definitely. He's sort of proving he's not just Rose's boyfriend or Rose's ex boyfriend or Rose's lover. He's Mickey Smith and he's got something to do rather than just wait yeah. around for Rose.
0: And while, like, um, the Doctor does have, like, a bit of a jab at one point, um, on the whole, like there is kind of a bit more kind of respect between the two of them. Which, yeah, I was gonna like, ask you what cool. you thought about and... that,
1: because there is that scene where he calls Mickey out for screaming like a little girl. Hmm. But that's it really. Where is the knife doctor throughout the whole episode? You would have imagined him to be like, why is he coming? He's not joining the TARDIS, he's useless, I'd rather have K9 and you know. I, mean, I
0: think it's great that like at the end of the episode, Mickey kind of says, like, can I tag along and and the doctor's like Yeah, absolutely, that's great. (laughs) It's Rose who's the one who's apprehensive
1: about it. Yeah, well, we can skip ahead to that last bit. Um, What I really liked about that is Mickey asks the question and Rose sort of gives the Doctor a side eye to say, don't let him join, no. And the Doctor ignores Rose and lets Mickey join. Mm. And I wonder how much of that's to do with the fact that they previously had a conversation where the Doctor admits that he won't be with Rose forever and she'll die and he'll have to go off and do his own. So he's already, obviously, foreshadowing what's to come in the series. Um, He's already starting to sort of build that departure from Rose to make it easier, I imagine. Do
0: you think think that's what he's trying to do? Do you think he's trying to introduce Mickey to Ty's team as kind of an incentive for Rose to leave?
1: Maybe not leave, but sort of not become as attached.
0: Maybe. I don't know, though, because it I feels quite clear that, like, Rose has no attachment to Mickey at all at this point. So
1: yeah.
0: it, it would be a weird way to send that message to Rose, because if anything, bring Mickey on board would make her kind of resent home even more. Sorry, I've got to take this phone call.
1: That's all right. I'll right. I'll just pause this. Harry just got a phone was- call from the Queen saying he's going to be knighted. That was exciting, wasn't it, Harry? It was.
0: It was. It was the um, It was Queen Victoria.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Mickey and the Tenth Doctor, Rose, I think he doesn't want her to leave, but he's trying to make her not as attached to life in the TARDIS in the sense that she can come and go. She doesn't always have to live there, if you know what I mean. Hmm,
0: maybe. Think. almost Maybe.
1: like we see with clara she gets a job at a school but she occasionally goes traveling with the doctor
0: yeah i mean what's your opinion on that kind of contrasting because there were some companions such as kind of rose um and then a lot of tens companions rose martha donna who kind of just stay as a permanent the natalis but then you get ones later on such as Clara, Amy, and Rory once they've settled, and um, uh, you know the current fam, who yeah. are kind of, kind of after every adventure they go back home. Is yeah. there one which you
1: prefer over the other, or I think it depends. I think as a, as a TARDIS team, the idea of having them all together all the time is more appealing. But then I really like the idea of Clara having a life outside the TARDIS and balanced in it, mm. even though to me, that series with Danny Pink wasn't done perfectly well, it's an interesting idea.
0: Yeah. I feel like there are kind of like pluses and minuses of each. I think that when they have a home life, it kind of introduces a similar thing that you get with like a lot of superheroes, where it's kind of having to balance the insane adventures with the stuff at home. But mm. then when, you, when they're more of a permanent fixture, and like living essentially on the TARDIS you kind of get much more of a sense that kind of the team or the companion is you know they just feel much more kind of lived in and it feels kind of a bit more almost intense yeah I mean especially with the tenth doctor where the tenth doctor can be quite emotionally intense so Mm. that's kind of that intensity lifted by the fact the companions are like living with them Everything is,
1: uh, yes. yeah, uh, yeah. Because if you, it sort of contrasts quite well as well with something that we'll get to in a second. When you look at Joe Grant, who we looked at when we did the three doctors, um, when she leaves, she leaves because she's got engaged, and she leaves oh. the tardy. So not the engagement, wedding party, or whatever. Um, the doctor's there, and he just casually just opens the door and walks off and leaves, and they never see each other again until the Sarah Jane Adventures, and. Then you look at... So she obviously had a life outside of TARDIS, but then you look at Sarah Jane, and when she left the fourth Doctor, she didn't want to leave, and he didn't want her to leave, but she had to leave because he was going back to Gallifrey where humans weren't allowed. So it's sort of... I suppose it's something that's always sort of been in the show, is you don't just join up and that's your life. It's just an additional part of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't... I'd actually need to... I have a hankering to go and watch the Tom Baker era um, Mm. at some point because I've never understood why, after going to Gallifrey, um, the fourth Doctor didn't just go and pick up Sarah Jane again. That's something I would need to kind of check out myself. Because obviously, it's very obvious, even in this episode in School Reunion, that both Sarah Jane has got had quite an attachment to a doctor and the TARDIS and the doctor had a real kind of you know attachment and fondness for Sarah Jane so yeah. the fact that you kind of never thought to go back for her until just bumping into her is a little bit perplexing hmm. but I guess that's something which the episode kind of directly addresses in the yeah. scene about
1: so before we get into Sarah Jane, I want to bring up something that I spotted in this episode that brought back a lot of memories. And it was when the kids were on the computer and they had those big old headphones on with the wires. Do you remember them?
0: Oh, yeah, like the plastic ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the big headphones uh, like that. And then like, it's got, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have two individual wires like the ones I'm wearing. It has like one cord that spirals down into the car. Oh, yeah, like spike on phones, yeah. yeah. And you couldn't move your head because it would always pull off your head. As soon as I saw them, it brought back like, so many memories. I was like, oh, my God, I remember those horrible things. Um, so let's get into it. Sarah James Smith. She doesn't actually have that much big of an entrance. I was expecting a door to her I and mean, she'd be stood there, Sarah James Smith, but the door, just, she just walks down the stairs with um, Finch. There's nothing, there's some sombre music, but that's it. Hmm. And then there's a scene, obviously, where she meets the 10th Doctor, but obviously she doesn't know um, him to be the 10th Doctor. And the look on his face of seeing his best friend again after so long, is just so... It's it's such a good scene, I feel.
0: I mean, I feel like, kind of, you say that she doesn't know who he is, but I feel like as soon as he says John Smith, I feel like she immediately... Puts two and two together and figures it out.
1: Yeah, she has an. I think she has an idea, doesn't she? But she doesn't. Maybe she's not one hundred percent sure until she sees the TARDIS. There's another scene that follows that where uh, you see the Doctor walk out of the teachers' room and he's just stood in the corridor and he just sort of like takes a big breath in, like almost like he's just embraced everything that happens. Like that was the best thing that could ever have happened to him. I think it's such a good scene. Mm. Yeah. Um, I how much of the Sarah Jane adventures are you familiar with? Are you familiar with the concepts of it? Not every episode, because I, I haven't seen yeah, every
0: episode. When it was on TV, I only saw the first episode, which okay. had, like, I don't know, I think it was, like, evil soda or something.
1: Yes, yeah. So are you, are you familiar with her version of the sonic screwdriver?
0: The sonic... Is it the sonic
1: lipstick? Sonic lipstick, yeah. And she doesn't have that in this. Um, which got me thinking, if you were going to make that now... I don't think they get away with giving the female lead Sonic lipstick.
0: No, they just give her her own screwdriver.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the man has the screwdriver and the woman has the lipstick. It, would, it doesn't really work as much.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, like, you know, even like a couple of years from this episode when we get used to River Song, she just has her own screwdriver.
1: Yeah, she does, does not she? Yeah, uh, obviously, which turns out to be the Doctor's actual screwdriver. But
0: Yeah, it's modded. Yeah. It's a modest temp Dr. Screwdriver, isn't
1: it? Yeah. What do you think to Sarah when she first sees the TARDIS? And she's quite scared by it, isn't she? She's sort of, it's standing there in front of her and you would have thought she would have jumped straight back into it. But she sort of repels from it and she walks backwards, almost staggering in shock.
0: I mean, I guess she's a bit apprehensive. I mean, imagine after that long, there's always this hesitation of, do I return to this life. I mean, even though it's kind of been made quite clear that she's spent her whole life since being separated from the Doctor trying to track him down again, I imagine once you're face to face with that it would be quite daunting.
1: Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I feel like she's done other things though, hasn't she? She sort of became an investigator in her own right and a and journalist. And we can't
0: forget the canine and company, the best Doctor
1: Who spin-off. <laughs> they mentioned that in Confidential it ran for one episode.
0: I mean, although it's obviously canon, though, because she has canine.
1: She does have canine, and obviously now um, over lockdown, I don't know if you hear if you listen to it. Russell wrote a very lovely short story which involved all of Sarah Jane's Bannerman Road gang, and um, Captain Jack was there, and, and they all turn up for Sarah Jane's funeral. So the character sadly no longer is; they sadly passed away, and. Uh, K-9 in that sense, of and goes back with Ace, so now Ace, the seventh Doctor Companion played by Sylvie Aldred, is the now owner of K-9. Would you like to see the return yeah. of more Classic Companions? Um, I reckon so. I mean, obviously
0: of the Classic Companions, it was pretty much no contest that Sarah Jane was the most popular. I feel yeah. like the only Classic Companions I'm aware of that could compare would be say, Ace or Jamie. Hmm. Um, what about Susan? I mean, be... The
1: Doctor's first companion, his granddaughter, Caroline Ford, course, is still yeah. around.
0: Yeah. I know that Susan's been really fleshed out in Big Finish as well, hasn't she?
1: Yeah, but I think a lot, of, I know me particularly, would love to see her return to the actual show.
0: That would be cool. I mean, we've yeah. spoken about this before, but I feel like the 60th. A good way that it could kind of stand out as something quite distinct from the fiftieth as a celebration would be to focus on kind of Doctor Who's legacy outside of New Who and outside of returning Doctors. Mm. So a bunch of returning favourite companions could be a very effective way of doing that. So if you yeah. were to bring back a bunch of old companions, I'd say that would be a great opportunity.
1: Yeah, I should say we're recording this on October, October yeah, October the twenty, uh, November the twenty-third. 2020, which was Doctor Who Day, 57 years of Doctor Who. Um, so today I, I watched An Unearthly Child. I watched it back today and I couldn't help but watching it think it would be so cool to see an episode where the Doctor meets Susan again. And at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. um, I believe from the 50th it's implied that Ian Chesterton, who is also one of the Doctor's First companions at Corhill School, is now the um, like head of the school or something. He's quite high up in the school, so it would be super cool if and he, the who the players in William Russell is now like 97. So maybe wow. asking them to do something like a full episode would be out of the question. But just to have a really cool episode where it ends with Susan going, oh Doctor, I've got someone who wants to meet you and taking them into the school and you just get that nice scene of the three of those characters back together again would be super good I think.
0: Yeah, to do that while you still can. Yeah, I think a, that's something well, not Sorry, go on. I just say, of course, if the who plays the and feels, you know, up to it.
1: Yeah, but I think that's something Doctor Who needs to take into consideration more, is taking opportunities whilst actors are still here, especially with Classic because not many of them have, I hate to sound morbid on Doctor Who Day, not many of them are going to have that long left, so you want to get the best story you can as soon as you can. And I feel mm. like now, like you say, with the 60th coming up, even if you don't do it directly for the 60th, around about this time is going to be a great idea to do something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what do we have here? S- scared the TARDIS, life without the Doctor. Um, when
0: talking talk about the um, TARDIS scene, there was one little thing I noticed in kind of the, um, the music, the score, that I thought <laughs> was really cool when they introduced the TARDIS, when Sarah Jane kind of came face to face with it, yeah. which was that... I, I don't know if I was just mishearing but I feel like the music that played was kind of this kind of very slow version of part of the Doctor Who theme, but... I think it
1: was the cool
0: Because because if you go back to Classic Who, very often during the show, they would play that motif at various points. And I think even in one of Sarah Jane's last scenes, they played that motif. So it was kind of a cool little linking callback, if I was deliberate, which I'm guessing it probably was.
1: Um, Obviously, one really key element of this is the contrast between Rose and Sarah and Mm. their sort of bitch-fight, sex-in-the-city-esque rivalry at the start of the episode. Um, Obviously, they have that argument in the computer lab where they're both just sort of comparing each other. I did this, I did this, I did this. What do you think to that? I know that a lot of people who
0: dislike Rose as a companion kind of point to this episode as a prime example of why. Hmm. That kind of of all the companions there have been, Rose was the first, maybe the only one that I can think of to display such jealousy at other companions and a knowledge that they exist. Yeah. And of course some of her comments are just like, you know, where did you go to school, the Stone Age? Or whatever it was. Um, I can't believe
1: you get Billy Piper to come in and just do those odd lines for you. You have such a good friendship with her.
0: I know, like, she's not like that TV show she was doing on Sky. Like, it's wrapped up filming now. And so, you know, it's a pass of time. It's a gig, isn't it?
1: <laughs> um, I really like that scene because it sort of is that sort of jealousy incident where Rose says, uh, Sarah says, I didn't, exp- I wasn't. I didn't come here just to pick up where we left off. Where she clearly sort of has in some ways, hasn't she? Yeah. Even though she doesn't necessarily want it, I think she's kind of hoping that the Doctor would go, oh, Sarah, let's go back and carry on and do all this and this. But he's had like, I feel like 20 companions since then. Yeah,
0: I feel like more than anything, she kind of just wants closure. Like yeah. She wants to kind of confront him and say, you know, you left me. You do realise what this did to me. I was totally... I totally loved my life, you know, travelling with you, and for you to drop me like that but without me really having anything to say. One minute,
1: one minute. Someone's just delivering me a parcel. Okay. <laughs> Hello, uh, do you it a parcel? parcel? Huh? No, no, no. No, no, no. no. no, no. Take me. Is your friend ready? Um, I'll ask him.
0: Uh, yeah. so was, you, no oh, it's listen what
1: You've been keeping everybody interested while I last, while last I disappeared.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, I was giving very insightful commentary while you were gone.
1: My parcel's not here yet. I'm still waiting. Oh, um. anyway. I don't know what you said. <laughs> um, the scene where they turn around and they start laughing at the doctor because they both sort of realised the fourth and the tenth doctor are almost the same person. Do you know how, what made them laugh? Um, uh, I was uh,
0: just a line about just kind of how the doctor seems very kind of. I mean, in on love set.
1: On set, do you remember? Do you know what made them laugh on set?
0: Oh, was there something behind the scenes on set that
1: made yes. them laugh? Yes. Take a guess what it, it could be.
0: I don't know, was there, like, a line flub that was particularly funny? or
1: No, what it was was uh, just behind camera, as they turn around, David Tennant stood there with a little moustache painted on. <laughs> 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 and that's what makes them laugh. <laughs> um, and they just decided like... Yeah. K-9, he's back. Um, I love K-9, brilliant character. What do you make of him? I think he's great. Yeah,
0: K-9's lovely. It's hard to dislike K-9 you know, even if he is a bit, as Rose puts it, disco. Yeah. It's, it's a little robot dog. You, you can't hate a robot dog. Yeah. And he wants to please.
1: Yeah, he. so from here on inwards, he appears in this, he appears in the Sarah Jane Adventures, he appears in... What else does he, he appears. Is he appears in the end of time or something like that. I imagine he does at some point.
0: I don't think... He's not in the end of time, but he's in um, the series four uh, finale. Oh,
1: is he? yeah okay so he's in that anything else he appears in i don't think he appears with matt smith
0: no no he hasn't appeared since sarah jane ventures i don't no. think of course unless you want to count the australian canine show
1: well this is what i was going to talk about um so there was, there, <laughs> there was that and i remember it being on channel Five once. i remember catching it and being like this is dreadful but I remember being at an age where I was young enough to sort of accept anything that someone put in front of me as good. I didn't know quality TV. I only knew what I was watching. But I remember that coming on. I think, oh, this is rubbish. What is this? It doesn't
0: canine look completely different. And it's like Australian, but they're doing British accents, aren't they? I,
1: honestly, I couldn't tell you. But I don't, it does have a different look. And I met John Leeson, the voice of K9 at convention once. And I asked him because there's constant rumors about a canine movie coming out. A movie? K yeah, a canine Doctor Who movie. So let me have a Like
0: theatrical? Cr- yeah. But Doc Doctor Who doesn't even <laughs> other than the other than the Peter Cushing movies, Doctor Who's never had a theatrical film. Unless you want to count like Day of the Doctor.
1: So I'm just looking. Um, K9 could re. Okay, so this is from 2018. Um, K9 could appear, could reappear in a new series as producers promise a major new project, and that was in 2018, right? 2017, we said, first look at updated, updated movie K9. Um, this is from the Doctor Who news website www the Doctor Who site.co.uk First look at a new updated movie K9 the weekend at the Doctor DWAS event um, revealed the first practical prop for the new look updated K9. The prop will be used to showcase the K9 movie that is currently in pre-production in the UK, Canada and Australia back in. Bob Baker has written the scripts. The props will be used um, uh, at you know, various conventions to mark the fortieth anniversary of K9's first T V appearance. Um, as the next few months go along with a few yeah, da daddy And then there's this really cool looking futuristic canine prop. I'll just try and screen share with you. Obviously this doesn't really work for our listeners, You look so confused. It's
0: moments like these that is disappointing. This is just a podcast because I have the most perplexed look on my face right now. Oh, what? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay.
1: Um, What are your thoughts on that?
0: It's maybe it's because I'm used to a really simplistic canine, but that feels slightly excessive to me. I
1: don't know. It loses some of its charm, doesn't it, when they go full sci-fi.
0: Yeah, and it still kind of has like the 70s sci fi aesthetic. I feel like if you're going to update K9 you should make him contemporary sci fi.
1: Yeah, I agree. Maybe we should get in touch with someone from this movie, like Bob Baker, and ask him what's going on. That'd be cool.
0: Yeah, because I feel like even if there was a K9 movie in production, that is not the case anymore. Like yeah. three years would have been enough time. For a film like that
1: to have been shot and Yeah. God, that... Anyway, so as I was saying, I met um John Leeson, the Voice of K9, in two thousand and eighteen, I want to say, twenty eighteen. And I asked him about this and I said, I keep reading about it, what's going on? And he says he has no idea. He'll be the last to know. Um mm. but he thinks it's still in development, and that was two years ago.
0: I'm guessing it's so it's just one of those films that's going through like development hell because yeah. some films are like that, like they go between different studios and everything.
1: We'll have to talk one day about the um, how familiar are you with the Doctor Who movie that never was? That was around 2010, it got announced, um, with Harry Potter producer attached to it to direct. They're
0: so gonna make a in 2010,
1: so would that have let been have like David Tennant, theatrical oh, uh, Doctor Who movie Harry Potter producer uh, it was very, yeah let's see if I can just find it, David Yates, director David Yates in uh, the guy
0: who does the Harry Potter films? yes,
1: um, Doctor Who David Yates, let me have a quick look um, ten pos- uh, David Yates talks Doctor Who and why he left this, um, something else um, 2012, David Yates says he's still doing the Doctor Who film. 2011, David Yates direct Doctor Who movie. That's from sci-fi.co.uk, collider.com, indiewire.com, Geronimo, Five Actors Who Could Leave the David Yates-hail Doctor Who film. And it was gonna... Um, but then in 2015, 7th of April, Stephen Moffat shut the full thing down and said, that's not happening. Uh, because what David Yates wanted to do was recast and start from scratch. It was going to be a new Doctor, a new companion, a new story, and everything was going to be brand new.
0: So like its own, like, canon separate from the TV show?
1: I couldn't say, but we should do a video on it.
0: Kind of like the Peter Cushing films.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, so subscribe if you want to hear some of that. <laughs> um, let's go back to School People Reunion. Not- Sorry? So just, instinctively, I feel like
0: the British public, at least, would not have gone along with that. No. Doctor Who is like a legacy like property at this point, and to kind of throw that legacy away for a theatrical film to try and appeal to US audiences, I don't think that would have worked. But it didn't work, did it, when they tried? Well, no, clearly.
1: Let's go back to School Reunion with the Krillatane. I want to talk about the Krillatane. What do you think of their CGI? Sometimes it looks good, sometimes it's not the best, but I think they disguise a lot of it with some very good camera work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, keeping, like, the werewolf keeping them hidden in darkness does wonders. Like, similarly to werewolf, they clearly, they clearly know how to shoot these CG characters a yeah. lot better than they did for Series 1. I think the werewolf looked better overall. Uh, there was just more going on with him. And obviously, the fact there was just one CG creature as opposed to, like, loads of them in this episode probably yeah. helped with that. I
1: thought but they, they worked. Yeah. yeah, they definitely do work. I thought they looked a lot like... The monster from the live-action Scooby-Doo movie from the early 2000s. Oh, that's that. You're you're.
0: Oh, you're making me think hard now. Is that
1: reference a stretch too far?
0: I, I watched that movie growing up, but I've not watched it since I was like. I don't
1: think it was thing? in the Rowan Atkinson one. It was in the sequel one, I think. scooby Oh, 2. I didn't see. I didn't
0: see um, Scooby-Doo Two. I never oh, saw
1: the second Scooby. are missing 2? out? Um, uh, yeah, this is the monster I'm talking about. We'll share the screen. This one, Da-da. oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, so I've, I've actually makes... heard that the
0: second Scooby Doo movie is pretty good, it's all right if it holds up. Yeah, it's, it's... by James Gunn,
1: it? uh, it's written and produced, I think, or something like that. It doesn't direct them, but yeah, yeah,
0: um.
1: Um, Scooby-Doo and
0: the new aren't all that different, are they?
1: <laughs> Why would you like to see crossover?
0: Well, the, you know, they're both about, like, a, you know, a team of mystery solvers in a blue vehicle fighting monsters.
1: Oh, you're right. Um, yeah. Mickey I feel Se- like it would
0: work pretty well as a crossover. Like, Scooby-Doo have crossed over with Batman and with, the, you know, countless celebrities. Supernatural,
1: like, Ricky Gervais.
0: Yeah, scooby yeah, Scooby Doo could cross over with Doctor Who very easily.
1: He probably could. Um, Mickey and Sarah share a really nice scene, I think, when Mickey realizes he's the modern day K Nine.
0: Oh, my heart goes out to me. It really <laughs> does. And the fact that I keep that realization, and I kind have of Sarah like really kind of consoles him a bit. It's really lovely. Um. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, the lover's tiff between the Doctor and Rose, where they have mm-hmm. the argument outside the cafe. He nearly says he loves her in that scene, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah. I like, I mentioned it before, but they are much more explicit about the romantic nature of the, day, of the Doctor and Rose's relationship. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Although, on one hand, can't help but feel a bit... When David's was like, I live forever... Uh, it, it's hard to watch you know, people you care about grow old a bit, you know. I suppose if he go.
1: knows he's going to outlive them, that's a horrible yeah. thing. Like, like if someone said you're going to outlive your wife and you're going to watch her die, you'd be like, calm down.
0: Yeah, but if you really love them, wouldn't you want to like take care of them and be there for them as they grow older, as opposed to just kind of drop them off when they you know, yeah i suppose yeah drink.
1: like use their best by date it's just like oh yeah you're on, you're on the turn i mean, like,
0: <laughs> I feel like the doctor's mentality is probably the idea of like they want their companions to have a life outside of just traveling with them mm. and so by only companion with them for a little bit that gives them a chance to live a full life outside of a tardis yeah, no, But that being said most if not all companions well not all but most companions seem to to quite vocally prefer the idea of just living a full life inside the TARDIS so I don't know. Um,
1: what do you think to the mention of, the Doctor mentions a few times that he's seen Krillatane before um, mm. but he never has on TV as far as I'm aware. I really did do some research but this is the first time we've ever heard of Krillatane as an audience. I quite like the idea that we don't see every adventure that he goes on.
0: That's what Big Finish is for, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Dude, that's probably what that references back to. As soon as they heard that, Nicholas Briggs went, so, get someone on the phone quick. Who's <laughs> in charge of the face off against
0: the big, four-headed Krillatane.
1: <laughs> uh, Rose mentions Shireen. She hasn't mentioned her friend Shireen for a while. Did you notice that?
0: Oh yeah, Rose's Friend Do you ever see Rose's Friend Shereen? We
1: never do. (laughs) Big finish, get on it. The Adventures of Shireen. We should write that, The Adventures of Shireen. (laughs) The
0: Untold Adventures of Shireen.
1: (laughs) Um, uh, There's a lot of similarities to the 4th Doctor and the 10th Doctor that I brought up throughout this, I feel.
0: I mean, I know Tennant's favourite Doctor growing up was the 4th, wasn't it? Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. What similarities did you pick up on?
1: Just like, obviously the ones that are pointed out. um, Mm -hmm. And I I also start to wonder now how much of those similarities are just similarities with the characters where you could point out with all of them rather than just those two. But um, I know when I was... I know when I was... Sorry, go on.
0: uh, Let me ask you, I think pretty much every Doctor has a tendency to over explain things and then think their companions are bit stupid for not getting it. Every doctor is a little bit in love with their TARDIS console to a yeah. weird degree.
1: <laughs> no, I agree. Um I I know in the commentary David was saying they were asking what was it like acting against K9 and acting with Elizabeth. Was it quite hard to sort of get those emotions right? And he said he said not really because he already has like an emotional attachment to these characters from his childhood. So it's he just sort of had to sort of channel that rather than pretend he was acting, if you see what I
0: absolutely. mean. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, As, yeah. It's great to kind of see Sarah Jane in this episode, although I've never, I really never watched any of her classic new stories. She fits into the mold very naturally. And mm. like in the scene where the Krillotane are trying to tempt the temp doctor, And the way that Sarah Jane's the one who talks him out of it, you can kind of tell why she's such a beloved companion.
1: Yeah, yeah, Because they immediately
0: is able to kind of offer that humanity to a Doctor, which I feel like is a a really valuable asset in Companions.
1: I really liked the fact that they use big, fast, speedy computer graphics so that they don't really have to explain the plot that much.
0: Yeah, that (laughs) kind of, back in the early 2000s where people didn't really know how computers worked so you could just throw any fancy graphic and you'd buy it there
1: you go oh look at all those boxes <laughs> they're all spinning around <laughs> i love the idea that early too fast is gonna just be a group of people go the world's gonna end. why well that little windows thing one day is gonna bounce in the corner of the square and when it does everybody's gonna lose some shit
0: I mean, let's be real. all those computers are just showing the screen savers. Those are just screensavers. Yeah,
1: aren't they? That's what I thought. I'd love it if just one in the background was just those pipes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mickey's like, how hey, you stop it? Wait a minute. He, like, moves the mouse
1: a bit. Just, <laughs> I really like to see where Mickey stops it because he just looks at the wire and looks at the plug and just pulls it out. That's all he does. And he's like, oh, it's easy, this. It's great. Um, you know, I really like that. I also like the scene with Mickey and K9 where k is repetitively telling him he's in a car. We are in a
0: car.
1: We are in a car. Um, a lot of this episode, I remember the dialogue from because I used to have a K9 toy and obviously all of the quotes that toy said are from this episode. So stuff like maximum defence mm-hmm. mode, affirmative and, you know, we are in a car, battery running low, all that stuff. Um,
0: So, even though they had, like, all of Classic Who to grab lines from, they just used School Reunion.
1: What do you mean, sorry?
0: This Toy Yard. Like, they could have, you know, pulled lines from, like, loads of episodes of Classic Who, and they just used this one usual episode.
1: I feel maybe also because... K9's voice is slightly different. It's not all that different, but if you go back to like his very first appearance, you're like, "Oh my god!" Right? Um, K9 basically saves the day until he dies at the end. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, he does. And then he's—is he just—is that a new model at the end, or is he? Well,
1: my understanding is it's the same model. The Doctor just fixes him. Now, there's a fun story about this. Is that wasn't even in the script? Uh, The script said K9 died and Sarah walked off on her own. That was it. Um, Oh. But what they did was the night before, they thought, nah, K9, we have to bring K9 back. So what they did, that prop that you see at the end behind the TARDIS is the original K9 from the original classic series. And the night before, they phoned up the person who had it and said, do you still have it? And he went, yeah. They went, can you drive down to Swansea tonight and be here for like three in the afternoon because we need the prop? And they went, went, Yeah. That's so incredible. So like, it's amazing. the original prop playing the new version, a restored new version of the old one.
0: <laughs> That's great. I didn't even notice that. That must be the version that they had for the episode, which has been a pretty faithful recreation. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Kenny gets a lot of praise at the end of this for blowing up the school. Do you think he turned to a life of crime for this?
0: Is that is that your head cannon? Yeah. Afterwards, Kenny just you... <laughs> moves to the head of
1: yeah, he was. Uh, he never got any recognition in his life. Back from the time he blew up the school, and he was constantly trying to clamber for that that high.
0: <laughs> Big finish, got a villain for
1: you. He, you know, you know, like Adam Mitchell, and he went nuts. You could just swap we need, it out. We
0: need like we need, we need more, just like one time characters and psychics becoming well villains, heroes. Like I feel like. It's like how you know how like in Star Wars, every single like character in the cantina has like an extensive backstory. Yeah. Let's do that with Doctor Who. Why not? Doctor Who is already like balls to the wall crazy. Let's just let's just give everyone a super crazy story.
1: Pick up on the ivory uh, yeah, yeah, decorated line.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah. I've never known. Which is it weird. Before. That was in classic Who. That was a line. That Troughton's doctor said, Yeah, so it's a weird considering Sarah Jane was never the companion to Troughton,
1: but Clara says it as well at one point. I feel like it's just a a throwaway line now that people say it's
0: just kind of a, yeah, just kind of a catch all for every doctor now, yeah.
1: Um, I'm running out of notes.
0: I think
1: it's a nice, uh, go on, I think it's a nice. I think
0: it's nice to touch that in that final scene in the TARDIS, it's Rose who invites uh, Sarah to kind of come with them. It's kind of a nice show of her growth. Because obviously, I've said, like a lot of people say like the way she treats Sarah Jane is why a lot of kind of non-fans of Rose dislike her. But I feel like within the episode there's enough growth from her, which yeah. is kind of displayed there. It's strange. For me, it's like, I still...
1: Yeah, it's strange that like she would happily have Sarah on board, but not Mickey. I guess because
0: like she's kind of grown fond of Sarah, and uh, whereas Mickey is, I don't know, it's just, just just Mickey the rose. <laughs> um, I guess you can't really make, I guess you can't really make fun of the doctor in the same way. Or like if she was to make fun of the doctor with Mickey, Mickey would like misread that as her making signals. Maybe it just isn't about that.
1: <laughs> um This was only David Tennant's second episode that he ever filmed. He did Christmas Invasion and then into this.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, that just... feels very... You, I wouldn't tell because he feels very comfortable in the role already.
1: Yeah. I wonder yeah. how much of that is to do with the fact that Elizabeth Sladen's there and it's that sort of being able to rely on stuff that you already know, if you see what
0: Baps, I mean. perhaps yeah. that was kind yeah. of like a good, easy way and to kind of be with people who've literally been involved in the show for years.
1: I really like that the episode sort of works. If you're a Classic Who fan, you side with the Doctor and his excitement to see Sarah. If you're new Who, mm-hmm. like us, and we seeing it for the first time, you sort of side with Rose because mm-hmm. you don't really know who this new person is who's just shown up.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting mm. one. So, let go. On. I can't remember what point I was going to make. I'm <laughs> not going
1: to lie. I just uh, it brand um, far. I'm just going through. I've I've gone through all my notes. I've got three pages of notes. Here. It's the most notes I've ever made for any episode we've ever done. Um, really? Bent through them all. Um, would you like to do a quiz?
2: <laughs> you, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps.
0: Okay, let's do a quiz.
1: Okay. Hmm. Uh. Okay, I've got two questions. I normally would have three. I've wrote the answer down for... Oh, no, no, okay, no. no we'll do three questions. Okay. okay. How many times does the Doctor say physics? Seven. Eleven. It rhymes. It rhymes
0: close enough. What a point. Mm-hmm. What, of,
1: what are the two alternatives <laughs> that the Doctor calls Mickey, Sarah, and Rose instead of calling them team?
0: Um, Is it Anne
1: That's one of them, there's swap. another one.
0: Um, Yeah. Is it... Is it pals? Oh, it's
1: comrades. I'll give you half a point. That's,
0: that was a very, um... Gave me real kind of, uh, Jody vibes. That
1: whole bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, what? When we first see K9 in the back of the car, what mark is he? What mark is he? Yeah, like what incarnation is he? Is he Mark
0: Two. Mark
1: Three. I you got half a point.
0: <laughs> a seven because you
1: it rhymes to eleven. No, you got half a point for getting gang.
0: Oh, okay, okay. You got that's half that. a point out of that's three.
1: I think that's, the, that's not the worst you've ever done. It's not the worst, which is <laughs> that speaks, volumes, that speaks um, volumes. So what do you think of the episode? Did you enjoy it?
0: Yeah, I think it's a really lovely episode. Nice trip down memory rain. It's a nice little exploration of kind of like the Doctor and his relationship with his companions. There's yeah. a lot going for it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think that. <laughs> sorry, what was that?
0: Well, I'm just going to say like, Lots of people would mark this down for how Rose behaves and reacts,
1: but I she really is not bad. I think it's really good. It's yeah. been one of my favourites that we've seen of this series. Um, Definitely. Do you have some stuff you'd like to recommend? Before I go, I just want to tell you, you were fantastic. Ooh, recommendations. I know, I didn't oh, think of it either. No, bro, quickly going through my head. I'll tell you what I'll recommend. I'll go first for a change. Oh, could I recommend? I don't know if I've already recommended that. Have I recommended John Cleese's book? On creativity,
0: maybe I've seen you recommend it online, but I don't yeah.
1: even recommend it in oh, I might the not. show. I won't do it then. Okay, what I will recommend then is I'll recommend um, the TV series in Jokers. I've been oh. watching a... <laughs> it's, it's good. It's I've fun. been watching a lot of it in lockdown. Um, I'm back. I'm about to come out of isolation very shortly in the next few days. I've been watching a lot of it whilst I've been cooped up inside. Um, it's just a great fun, and it's just stupid fun. Stuff to watch,
0: yeah. And practical jokes is great for really funny guys and just, just the stuff they make each other do. I love like the presentation ones they do, yes, um, they have to, like, they're like, good. He has made it,
1: yeah, no, they're fun. Uh, what are you recommending, Harry?
0: Okay, um, what am I gonna recommend? I'm like looking at my room as if there's something in my room to recommend. Um I'm not going to recommend the Oxford Paperback Dictionary, ink th- of Thesaurus. Um,
1: Have you watched anything on YouTube that you'd like to recommend?
0: Oh, a YouTube channel. That's a good one. That's a good idea. Um, give, me a second, give
1: me a second. Give me a second. Oh, Harry, you're letting everybody down. I'm
0: sorry, I haven't prepared. I haven't prepared for this. On that
1: so... Doctor Who quiz we did for the... uh from the, for the anniversary, someone in the comments said, "I did better than your co-host. Can I now be the host of the podcast?" <laughs> be fair,
0: like I'm a shoddy co-host.
1: They, they, can, oh, they... Well, Do you have, can you think of anything you'd like to recommend, or should we swiftly move on?
0: Let's just move on. Swiftly I move
1: can't. on. Okay, let's wrap this one up. um we just did a school reunion, uh, a really fun episode. If you'd like to tell us what you think of the episode, you can follow us on Twitter at bigger on the pod, YouTube bigger on the inside podcast, acast shows dot com, uh, shows dot dot com forward slash bigger on the inside. Leave us a five star review on iTunes. we also on Instagram, so go over to Instagram. Instagram's fun; you get a lot of people talking on there. A few comments, a lot of polls going on. That's good fun. And the Instagram uh,
0: page is essentially a meme page. Like, yeah, not... it's a bit at the moment, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, meet a lot of fun Yeah, uh, I think, um, s- send us an email bigger on the inside pod at gmail.com and we'll read them out on the show when we get them do bear in mind though that the shows are often, oh no that's going to be no good now is it the email, because these go out like super early, or we can read them out earlier in the episodes when we do the pre-recorded bit with the news absolutely,
0: yeah so we'll send us that. emails,
1: but it might be a few episodes before you actually hear them read out um, so bear that in <laughs> mind, we're not ignoring you Um,
0: I I love it when we get emails. Like, emails make me happy.
1: That one email we got.
0: That one email, that was the best. That was the best. It was a shame that you then had to re-record the episode.
1: (laughs) Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Um, um, I'll say goodbye. Bye-bye. Harry, do you want to say bye? Bye
0: Bye-bye.